Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, and welcome to the Great Women in Compliance Podcast. We're sponsored by Corporate Compliance Insights and the Compliance Podcast Network. You can hear us anywhere else you hear your podcast or wherever you're listening now as well. Today, we have a really great roundtable, and Ellen Hunt is my co-host on it. And as many of most of the women who are guests on the podcast generally work in ethics and compliance, but one of our key drivers for success is how do we work with our business stakeholders and make our work a part of their business. And to discuss this further, we have two people that women who are just fabulous, Marlene Olsofsky and Kimberly White. Marlene is the SVP Higher Education International at Pearson. She's one of my colleagues at Pearson as well, and she is really a person who defines tone from the top for me. She is also named as one of heroes with a capital H-E-R, um, OES Top 100 Women Executives, which showcases leaders who are championing women in business and driving change for gender diversity in the workplace. Kim is the VP General Counsel at Ingredient, which manufactures various ingredients for everything from food to beverage, paper to pharmaceuticals. She presents the Compliance and Ethics Essential for the Practicing Law Institute and has put together successful ambassador programs and builds great relationships with stakeholders. Kim is also recognized as a leader in the DEI area. So thank you both for being here. So let's just start by having you tell us a bit about yourselves. Kim, why don't you go first? Hey, I'd see, I've been an ingredient for about seven years now. It's hard to believe. It went fast. And I started in ethics and compliance. I was a transactional lawyer and I started in ethics and compliance maybe 20 some odd years ago following the SOX is that whole thing. I think it's when a lot of us started. And I think I've told this story a number of times. I was just sitting in my office minding my own business when someone said, hey, do you want to start a compliance program? And I said, OK. I had no idea what that was. And so I quickly put myself and immersed myself, and I think that's how I met Ellen, uh, trying to immerse myself and educate myself on what this was and um, really got jazzed with the opportunities it creates to not only build relationships across functions, but also to enhance the culture of the organization. So that's one thing I'm always thrilled about and partnering with our HR and DEI colleagues um, and now belonging and really seeing what that can do to bring an organization. Because once you have that, what you're doing is you are are giving voice to your people and they're productive and your company is just more productive and they do better. Everyone does better. So it's just, there's just no downside to this role. That's my story in a nutshell. That's great. Thank you so much. And Marlene, tell us about your job. And I know you've been at Pearson for a, a bit. Yeah. And Kim, it's so amazing. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to meet you here on this call today. And thanks, Lisa and Ellen, for bringing us together. Of course, as Lisa mentioned, she likes working with me. I love working with you, too. So a bit about more of myself and my role. So I've been at Pearson for 27 years. I've worked in the United States, across Europe, as well, and I'm now based in Canada. And my role is senior vice president for international businesses. And what that entails is leading a team across who's based out of 39 different countries around the world. And we collectively serve customers in over 200 countries. My team spans product development, marketing, sales, and operation. <clears throat> and we do a lot of work with the public sector as well as the private sector 
working with people in education to create products as well as selling our products to and through higher education institutions. So we, and on top of that, we also have a diverse network of resellers. So we work with a lot of distributors and partners across the world that help sell our products and services for us. We are a wonderfully diverse team, which is also wonderfully complex environment in which we operate. And to me, I think compliance, some leaders think compliance is a bunch of policies and facts and you need to sprinkle it on top of your business and behave. But to me, it's absolutely a fundamental ingredient to our strategy and our business plans and to making sure that we drive success for our company, our teams and our customers. So it's not a nice to have, it's a need to have. Thanks. And one of the first questions that is a perfect springboard to this is about working with ethics and compliance as a team. Marlene, Marlene and I truly a mutual admiration society. One of the things that you know is fantastic about working with you and that you bring to the table is that it is an ingredient, but also how do you collaborate? How do you how do we understand your priorities and how do you talk to us so that we can best do that? How do you also integrate that with other business pressures and perhaps people who do view it as just the, the bad days department of no or a good, a good day, the policy people they can tolerate? So how do you do both of those from your standpoint? Yeah, and I, I guess I, I must say you're just an amazing partner and I really value this um, partnership. And I'm glad that I do because I think I mentioned earlier, compliance and business leaders need each other. <laughs> We need each other. And I think as the world changes, we need each other um, even more so than ever before to ensure that um, arts are set up for success and as well as our business. With regards to your specific question, how do I integrate things on top of everything we need to do? My view is quite simple. If compliance is not done properly, very, very little else can get done. <laughs> and there's a massive opportunity cost if you don't integrate it into everything that you're doing. And we all know that when compliance issues happen and you're dealing with them, it can really take you off course and distract your teams, but also cost some pretty significant ramifications for your business. If I had to summarize what I do as a business leader, there's a combination of education, ownership, and accountability, creating opportunities and carving out time for myself, as well as for my team to understand the company's compliance policies, as well as the compliance risks. I think are equally important in the geographies and the businesses that we operate. Second comes setting expectations with leaders from across the organization so that they understand my perspective on this and that they understand the policies as well and that they're followed. And I think one of the most important things we can do is probably one of the most difficult is acting on compliance issues when they arise uh, with a sense of urgency, a sense of um, neutrality and trust but being accountable to take the appropriate business action if something isn't right and whether and making sure that we act on that as leaders. So that's my formula for success. And I've seen and worked with other business leaders that tend to view our compliance program as important, but sometimes a, a nuisance and getting in the way of some of the activities that business leaders would like to do. And I think that's entirely the wrong approach, right? You just have to understand that there is an opportunity cost if we can't, if we don't align and follow what the compliance program sets out to achieve. And it isn't just a set of policies and facts and rules that we need to follow. It's, it's actually fundamental to everything that we need to do as a company. And before I turn over to Kim with, with this, Kimberly with this, I think that's important. I think from our side, and I think she'll share some of that, it's really important for us to make it more of a human thought process and questions and answers and asking the why 
if business leaders do that, which you and others do, at least we can understand it and, and help and try to build the relationship of what is important. And if something doesn't make sense from your end, we appreciate you'll say, Look, why are you doing this? And why is this complicated? And how can we do it better? Maybe there is or isn't a way, but just to know that it's a pressure point is an incredibly important tool for us to bring some humanity to sometimes laws and regulations that we don't find so understandable or other things. And with that, um, Kimberly, you have achieved some very successful relationships. So what strategies have you used? Kim is fine, by the way, um, but feel free to call me Kimberly unless I'm in trouble. Um, <laughs> but I think, first of all, you really have to understand what the business wants and where they want to go. And then I see my job as helping you get there in the least risky way possible and be risk smart about it because you're not going to avoid risk. You're not going to avoid, but you want to do it. And you want to do it in a way that everyone feels like they had a stake in it and he contributed. So you are part of the, that you're rowing in the same boat as it were. I'm not here coming out and I'm not the Coast Guard pulling you out to or whatever. I'm here to row with you to get you to the next shore where you want to go, but to get you there and, and maybe not get through so many choppy waters or figure out how to navigate it. And so what that means is that I'm sitting down with you and say, hey, what are your plans? What do you want to do? How do you want to do? How is your team feeling? What do you want to what do you want to see at the end of the day? Because they get measured not just by making results, but getting those results in the right way. And if you're not there to help them navigate that, whether it's a cultural issue, if it's a legal issue, if it's a if it's complying with a particular regulation, then you're not helping the business achieve its objectives. And I have my own objectives, of course, because I do my risk assessments and I see where things are. But then you also have to, as Marlene said, you don't want to be the prophet of no and you don't want to be the gloom and doom is seen as the, the person who's wrecking it. But so as I always say, it's, it's always, yes, I see that. And I do this in mediation, we have this thing called reality testing. So when they say they come to me a great idea and they go, oh, we want to do blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay. And what happens if this happens? And what if you do? And then what will you do? And then they start to triangulate that. And they're like, oh, okay. So then what is the best way? So we start having a conversation about it. And so when they see that you're here to help navigate it and solve it and not just, oh, no, you can't do that. You're starting to build that partnership. I'm not trying to tell you no. I'm trying to say, what if this? And then how do we do that? And then you start thinking of all the, and then you, we're partnering and I'm going to, I'm swear I'm going to copyright this word, solutionize, because that's what I would say. I'm like, I want to solutionize how we do this. And that I think is how you start building those partnerships and relationships. I'm going to interrupt before Lisa, you ask the next question or comment. Kim, I think what you said is, is so absolutely powerful. It's, it's equally important that the compliance team understand our strategies. And I tend to share. I, I think it's okay. We're at the start of our planning period. Here's what we want to do. Here's what we want to achieve. And Lisa, tell me what could go wrong and how do we get there with the best outcome? <laughs> it, it always surprises me when I talk to other leaders and other parts of this company and other companies that I know people work at. And they don't share, like they, they just call the compliance team when something goes wrong. And they're like, help me get out of this big mess. But it is so important as a, from a business leader point of view that we build and spend lots of time developing our strategies and setting our goals for the year. We need to make sure that all parts of our team are involved in understanding what those are and helping us drive it forward. It takes the collective to move the ship forward. So I really like what you said. 
And that's something I didn't share, but I think it's incredibly important that there's a proactive aspect from business leadership to sharing with the clients team too. Yeah, we said, we actually, I'm sorry, I'm getting us off the end of it. We actually go out at the end of each year and we sit down with our business leaders and we survey them and we talk to them and say, and like, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What's your plan? Even our functional leaders who also are part of culture like DE&I, what are your plans for 2024? Where do you want to, our cybersecurity, our infrastructure group, we sit down with them and say, what do you want to do? And how can we help you be, be a, how can we be a voice multiplier for what you want to get done? Right. So we obviously have a stake in terms of compliance in, in this area, keeping our company safe and secure. How can we partner with you? Let's figure out where we have some touch points in common and build something out. And that's how you start building those relationships. But you're right, because sometimes they don't come to you. So we actually go out to them and just but they appreciate it normally because we're not just giving you here's our agenda. Here's the risk we see. And this is what we're going to do. It's more of, OK, how do we get there together? Yeah. Fundamentally, I think that that connection is so important to any relationship and to any successful company and any successful executive, right? If you're not connecting on understanding what each other's goals and objectives are and what the business is doing, you're really not adding value because, you know, Kim, you mentioned you have your own goals too, but what if they're completely unaligned, (laughs) It's what the company is doing. And so this it's performance review time and everybody's putting together their statement about how great they were last year and thinking about goals. But I think one of the things we don't do, companies, all kinds of companies, is sit down and talk together. I mean, one, one of the strategies I, I used in one of my former companies, particularly with HR, when it came to training and communications and investigations, I'm like, why do we have separate goals on this? Let's have shared goals because mm-hmm. I'm not going to make it without you and you're not going to make it without me. So why are we working against each other? Let's work together and achieve even more, pool our resources, right? And do better together. And that was very successful because it stopped the turf war of you're stepping uh, stepping in my yard, right? You're trespassing on my stuff versus the, oh, you can put training content together? Oh, if you put it together, it doesn't have to be reviewed by legal again? Oh, yay. <laughs> but I, I think connecting with people, and I think that gets a little bit harder when we live in more in a virtual world and you don't run into people in the hallway or at the lunchroom or at the water cooler. So you've got to really make that effort to connect. Yeah. And at Pearson, we've been remote in certain ways for even before COVID from the day I started. So in some ways it, that we're lucky that is built in the culture. It's also a challenge because if you don't see somebody and they're not that excited to respond to your chats or catch up, it's a little harder to just happen to run into one another, just happen to drop by name a location in Europe seems a little strange. But with that said, I think that the proactive is the key word and one of the most important things. And for people who may be resistant, as Marlene is talking about, it's not always perfect, but we can at least check in before the problem happens. So when a problem does happen, they at least know that you exist, that you cared before that. And then afterwards, that is often one of the the best ways to actually build a relationship, unfortunately, with someone, if they can trust you when something went wrong, they would prefer the best compliment I feel like I get is, 
I, it was really good to work with you on this. I hope I don't have to see somebody again work on this particular problem, but if I do, I'd like it to be you. So I'd never like to really want to see you again, but if I had to see someone, you're good. And with that, I would like to just turn, we've talked about a lot of things that go well, but where can we improve? And I'll just, one of my experiences recently was I was going through some training and information with someone, another attorney, but really engaged in the business. And I just got myself into the weeds and it was really helpful to pull myself out of that. And it really made me think a lot about how to stay focused for the work that the different parts of the business are doing and what I should be contributing to them as opposed to thinking, oh, these are all the things that we've learned or that are important from the last several months. Mm -hmm. For you both, um, I'll start with you, Marlene, on this one as well. I mean, where, where can we as a function improve? <clears throat> I think you're a pretty good function already, but <laughs> I think sometimes... I've been at this for a long time as a business leader. and But I, when I think back to my younger years as a leader and some of the new leaders we bring into the company, I think sometimes it can be just simply overwhelming. It, it comes across as legalese and it's there's different sort of things you need to consider operating in different geographies and what have you and, and whatever. I think the more practical and tactical we can make this for the teams and as we do the training, as we do the education sessions with the groups, just bring it down to the brass tacks in terms of here's what could go wrong and here is why compliance can help you. So just make it more, bring more real world examples into the training and education sessions and making it more real for people as opposed to putting a policy in front of, of people and hoping they can interpret the best of it. And I think we've actually done a lot of great work to evolve our approach on that within the organization over the years since I've been through this. But I would just say we need to continue to do that and do that more often. And Kim, what about you? I actually, we, I was actually going through an employee survey that we did and um, that was one of the comments. Bring in more, I, I'm doing one because I do these uh, stakeholder meetings once a month and um, I decided to get us, I've been doing this about five years now and I thought it's time to see what we can change. New people have come into the organization, et cetera. And one of the things they said is we like more real world examples. And I've been doing a few of these, but I think I just want to start doing this more on a rolling basis because I do think it helps. It brings it more um, tactical. And I think it's always important as a compliance leader to understand that behind all of the objectives and things that people have to do, there are real people behind this and they're doing, struggling with real things. And, and so we want to do as much as we can to make it tangible, unscary, and uh, accessible to, to everyone. And that takes constant innovation. So one of my big goals this year is how can we be innovative in cutting through the noise, making it easier and clearer, not only for people to get an answer, but if you don't have an answer, how you can find that answer either by talking to someone or reaching out. So we want to do a lot more on just, I'm not sending out multiple emails. I'm going to send maybe one email and a little one minute video. And I'm going to nominate everyone in the legal department, do one minute video and here's your script. And it's not going to be legalese. You, no one will hear the Sherman Act. And anyway, if we want to talk about brass tacks, here's something that you can understand because this is something you might face. If you're not sure, call us. 
we can't anticipate every situation, but we're here to help. And just keep that message going because I, I, I heard one colleague tell me this when she said, you want to tell them once, tell them again, then remind them of what you said before and then tell me. Because you want, and you want to find different ways to do that because that's how it sticks. You know, that just that constant little bites that help people filter all these different noises that are coming in because they've got their own objectives. They've got their own pressures. They've got, and you can't just do multiple 20 minute trainings and throw out policies and expect people to grasp it all. And it's just not fair. So we just have to be more innovative in our approaches and far more proactive in really partnering with our business leaders. As I listen to your comments, I think about the journey of the ethics and compliance field. And we really started out with the stick. What's the law? You'll be fined, you'll be penalized, you'll go to jail. And we've really shifted to what's the risk? And that's about human behavior, Mm. right? How do I want you to act? What do I want you to do to manage or mitigate that risk? And I think it's a different skill set Right before you were just a lawyer and auditor and you were telling people, here's the policy and this is what the law. And now we're storytellers, right? And now we are trying to influence decisions that are being made to make the business successful in a way that enhances the success, right? And it's just to me, it's a much more fascinating and interesting way to work with people and to really encourage, again, that connection, We've made tremendous progress, I think. But also, when you think about just the next, the last couple of years, and I know you both are involved in the DE&I area, we've had quite a bit of disruption. We've had the pandemic. We now have a, a large contingent of folks who don't come to the office, right? They're remote workers. We had Me Too. We had Black Lives Matter. We have ESG and its current backlash. And quite frankly, some here in the United States, right, some of the states that are trying to push back on DE&I and frankly, outlaw it, right? <laughs> so this is, and it's all tied into our political, social, economic environments, right? So it's crossing that personal, professional line, right? When maybe your employees don't believe in that what the company is doing and um, what its mission or what its vision is. So I think building those relationships with stakeholders becomes um, 10 times, maybe 100 times more important. And Kim, you use the word amplify, right? Helping the business people amplify. But when you have conflict, what are you amplifying? So it's it's a tightrope. I think for our executives, as well as for our ethics and compliance folks, and two, a two-pronged question here, but do you think organizational culture has changed because of all of these social political events? And how are you going to manage this moving into election year? Do you want me to start? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Please, um, Kim. <laughs> so, I know uh, that was a lot. <laughs> I think that's right. To be honest... I think your companies are microcosms or little mini versions of what's going on in society. People don't leave whatever is going on in society when they come into the office. So I think it's a practical reality. 
And regardless of where people are on their political spectrum or their social economic ideas, when you're in the office, you're there for one thing, right? And it's not about who you vote for. It's not about, it's about this one thing. And we have to keep people focused on that. And to do, that means we have to have everyone involved, right? We can't leave anyone in the corner. And that then talks about the diversity, equity, and inclusion. Sorry, but no one can sit in the corner. We all hands on deck to move the company forward. And that means we have to do what we have to do. That means we got to make certain people have a voice. We got to make certain they feel that they're treated fairly. We got to make certain that they feel that they're compensated fairly. All of these things are part of bringing the whole person to work so that we can deliver on the company strategy. Because that's what we're there for. That's it. That's the only reason why we're that and a paycheck, of course. We get, but we're there. That we get paid for delivering on the company strategy. We don't get paid to spout our personal ideas or whatever and have them enjoy. But they're not for here. And when I was doing training in diversity like years and years ago, we hearkened back to our culture and used some of those as personal examples. And your mom would say, whatever came out in the street, don't bring it into my house. So when you're at work, this is our house. We get to set the rules. We get to set, and, and this is the rule. And you can get on board or not, but like your house, there are consequences to that because we are here for one purpose, and that is to move our company forward. And we have to do that together. That's, I know that sounds probably overly simplistic, but I just can't really get my head around it any other way. So to do that, I'm just going to wrap up with this part because I actually talked about this yesterday. We want to be very good at watching those cultural inflections, those career moment inflections where people might be struggling or having difficulty. So we have to be very vigilant in making certain our safe spaces remain safe spaces. And if they're not, making certain that we're proactive in, in, in moving that forward and not taking two steps back. Just what we have to do, because if you have this turmoil and upheaval, you're not going to be able to deliver in your strategy because everyone's distracted. Marlene, your thoughts? Oh my God, what a great question. And <clears throat> I'm going to deflect answering and commenting anything about the U.S. election because I don't have a team in the United States. <laughs> Lucky you. Uh, <laughs> but having said that, there's other things happening around the world with conflict and natural disasters and social and economic challenges. So I, those are all things that I consider. And I think, Kim, you've articulated an answer to that question just so beautifully that there's not really much more to add. But what I will say is the well-being of our people and making sure that we have and lead an unbiased workplace is equally as important as salary and rank. And call it compliance, but we, we have to be compliant with our values, Right our personal values as leaders, but also the values as a company. So yes, I think all of these things happening in our world have changed. And I think the most, the two themes that I see coming through most, almost in every compliance conversation that I have at work are, they include people's well-being and they include, you know, how people are feeling that they're treated in the workplace. And this comes through not only in the compliance conversations, but in all the hiring conversations we have as well. So I think that these things are becoming equally as important um, when people are working for companies or choosing to work for companies or choosing to leave companies as well. Um, those are two themes that I think have emerged over the past um, couple of years as a result of all the things happening in the world around us. 
And that's a danger for our company. That's the other part of that, right? If you're mm-hmm. not creating the environment that you need to have people thrive and move forward, they're going to leave. Yeah. And once again, how does that move the company forward? I'm always amazed how infrequently we ask. We don't ask people why are they leaving. We, particularly when it's an involuntary termination, which has some uncomfort and tension with it. But I think we have no idea how many people are leaving because they saw something that they didn't think they could raise up or they were made to feel uncomfortable or they were always sitting in the corner of the room and they didn't have a voice. Right. And I think it's just a treasure trove of information for us on many levels, not only on it from a compliance perspective, and we just don't tap into it. And I, it just amazes me. And what I, the things I hear is, oh, too much time and effort, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I think it's probably better than your employee survey. <laughs> just my thought on it. Yeah. Lisa? Yeah, I think there are so many things about this. And what just has gone through my mind as we've been speaking on all of these topics is the idea of, and this comes to advice in 2024, other things is, We're asking people to try to do their best to do the right thing and to provide guidance. There's a lot of risk, there's strategy, there's the big picture. But when we come to issues of raising concerns or things like that, assuming most people are not waking up every day and trying to figure out a way to get around the compliance rules or the regulations, they're just trying to do their job in places where the culture is different, where what would be expected is different, what is, and we're all dealing with that. So I guess I think a lot about this and other things is how do we help you make ethical decisions and how do we help you to bring your voice out in those conversations to empower that, whether it's for strategy or for other things. And for people to ideally think about our compliance team truly as ethics and compliance. And that I think is a lot of ways is one big way to help in DEI. And I also think it's important for us to be leaders in, in raising those concerns it's hard sometimes when people will raise something from my position and then you can't attribute it or other things and you'll get some leaders that'll say, if you don't have the the person that this standing up, that's not enough for us to do anything. But sometimes those relationships and that information is really what can save crises or other things. So I guess when I start, I'm going to ask you all, as we were starting this year out, still in, still in the time where you're okay to say Happy New Year for a few more days. And my advice I'm giving to everyone is really both to remember to assume positive intent. And that's one I give to myself sometimes. Um, and just to keep encouraging people that it's not always an all or nothing. It's an ethical decision and it's things like that. And that just to keep thinking people are really trying to do the right thing. There's always the outlier, but the vast majority. Is, so how can we help them and how do we recognize them more? So that's mine. So I'm going to start out to go. We'll go. Marlene, Kim, and then add with Ellen, but what would be just, it doesn't have to be about compliance, but as you're thinking of 2024, what piece of advice would you give to, particularly to women as we're starting out the year? I think I would say continuous learning is going to be key to everything that we do. So find ways to set time aside for yourselves, whether you're a leader, regardless of what role you hold in life or in business, but take the time to get to learn about new things, reflect on your own personal development plans, and think about the ways you're going to put new things into practice. So I think continuous improvement is um, the advice I would give to everybody heading into 2024. The world around us is changing so quickly. 
we didn't even touch on the topic of AI and what that's going to mean with compliance <laughs> and all these things, but we're going to need to educate ourselves and figure out new ways of doing things and new ways of moving forward. That's my advice. This is advice I'm giving myself. I don't know if it works for everyone, but I think that being open to new challenges, new possibilities, things you think you can't do. And I agree that and that takes being humble. I may not know this, but know that you can do it. Be bold and take the step saying you can do it. I think uh, many women, myself included, will say, oh, my God, I don't know anything about this. And I thought to myself, maybe I should join the finance committee, even though I'm pretty good at my checkbook now, but that's about it. But I'm going to do it because I think I'm going to learn more. And that kind of goes along with what Marlene said. Be willing to learn something new because you can do it. I think we tend to shy away from some things because we think, oh no, I'm going to stay in my lane. And But I, I think this is the year to be bold and to be open and to understand that everyone is trying to figure it out just like you, but you can figure it out too. You can do it too. And I think that's just something that we don't give ourselves enough credit for. And then I think the other thing I would say is be gentle with yourself because I think women are the hardest on themselves. Yours truly is the master of this. So you just say, hey, got to, got to, got to deal with it one way or the other. And just, just be gentle with yourself instead of like saying, oh, I'm going to be so stupid. Da, 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 da. You know, Cause I think that also factors into not wanting to push yourself to learn more because you're afraid of failure. And I always, now I say to myself, what would I do if I'm not afraid? And, and then you're afraid. Sometimes you don't even know you're afraid. You just, you come, you come with another excuse, but it actually is fear. And I was just going to say, I, I find very frequently women will have the fear, men will say, and I've said it before on the podcast and in general, is when women are looking to apply for a new job, they go through the list of things and they say, oh, you have to speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. I can't apply. And oftentimes a man will look at that and say, ordered a cerveza on spring break. I can figure this out. Exactly. And, you know, I, I try to bring that lesson to the rest of my life also. And But I think it's true. It's sometimes it's just putting yourself out there is that bigger challenge than the actual substance. So with, with that, Alan, I'll give it to you to give your advice because you give me all, so much sage advice and to close us out. I like solutionize. I think <laughs> that's a great word. And the other word that I came across the other day was catastrophize. And, and I think we do that as women, right? We are, we are the caregivers of many, but not often not ourselves. And we are very prone to the worst case scenario and it gives fear. I also think celebrating the successes isn't terribly important. I think we'll face a year where we feel attacked and ineffective and with a lot of conflict. And just remember how far we've come to inspire you and motivate you to keep going because every journey is all about each and every step. And maybe your steps will take you off into learning AI or maybe being on the finance committee or maybe doing whatever. The thing that happens in life is what happens at the end is our regrets are the things we didn't do. Yeah, be bold. Get out there. Do it. And if you fail, so what? So what? At least you learn. That's probably the perfect way for us to end this episode. Thank you so much to Kim and Marlene and Ellen for joining. This is something I wanted to talk about for a while and it did not disappoint. It exceeded my expectations. So thank you all. And on behalf of 
all of us at the Great Women in Compliance podcast and the Compliance Network. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.